This podcast is supported by Red Energy, powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Red is 100% Australian owned and local. Phone 131 806. The AFL were talking tough on Friday, threatening clubs on Thursday, coaches and CEOs earlier in the week that people who broke COVID rules were going to face suspensions of up to a season for really serious breaches and then the players don't get suspended. It was a joke. It looks like a bit of a cover-up. Don't think you can have five people and seven children. Five people is five people. I'm really pleased with that level of detail. Are you worried you're going to be number six? (laughs) What are the social consequences of that? Imagine! Everyone in Sydney was too scared to have a go at him about it. That's how influential he is and that's dangerous. Goodbye, Alan. Take it from us. Very hard to cut a pumpkin. Strong arm and a good knife. A chainsaw would have done the trick. Caro, finish this sentence. Life is too short to... Cook with phyllo pastry. Oh. Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Thanks to Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas. Hi everyone and welcome to Don't Shoot the Messenger. This is episode 127 and I'm here again with my good friend, Caroline Wilson, who, Carol, I'm going to cut to the chase. Welcome today. Lovely to see you. Hello, Corrie. It's lovely to be here. Uh, I have a big bouquet of goodwill to you and sadness, I suppose, because last week, moments before we recorded our podcast, you had to say farewell to your beloved Billy. And I just thought that we would start our show today commending you for your bravery on coming on the podcast and talking about a lot of trivial stuff. Also listening to Anna from the Op Shop talk about her brand new puppy, Freddie, which you did with such grace. And I am so devastated for you, my dear friend. Oh, thanks, Corrie. Well, you said goodbye to Bearsy last year, so you know exactly what it's like. Um, yeah, we, we, well, it wasn't sort of moments before, but it was a, it was early, early of the morning that we did a sort of lunchtime podcast. So we'd had a few hours. We'd had um, about five days to sort of, we'd had weeks really to think about the idea and um, I've never had a dog before so it was the first time I'd ever said goodbye to a dog and it was a very, very sad morning. Um, I howled most of the morning and um, probably after the podcast managed to, you know, and yeah, look, the, the first few days are just devastating. I was I was really surprised at how upset I was because, you know, I've never really been a dog person until now and but I, I did love, adored my my chocolate brown Labrador, Billy, and um, it was a big decision to make the decision to say goodbye, but it was interesting. Um, the vet, the where we go, didn't argue, and um, they were so lovely about it. You're not allowed to go into vets at the moment. You haven't been allowed for about two months. You've got to wait outside while they, you know, check your dog and everything, but they make an exception for euthanasia. So, look, it was it was a very sad experience but it was also quite a peaceful experience and it really um yeah it look it it was I'm really glad I was there I'm really glad I was holding her she died a really peaceful death she was 16 and a half she had a great life it which was, is an incredible innings for a Labrador especially it's amazing and it just shows how much Billy was loved and looked after and when we put Bezzy down, Carol, I don't know whether you had the same feeling, but I was so relieved in a way that she hadn't taken a tumble downstairs and broken a body part or or 
in her blind state wandered onto the road if for whatever reason we hadn't been looking and got hit by a car. I'm just grateful that actually it was just going to sleep. Yeah, look, it, it, it makes you think about what a lovely way it is to die if you really are ready. Um, look, it was awful the next few days. I came down the next morning and the footsteps, you know, you talked about Bezzy's footsteps, That the no footsteps on the wooden floorboards. I went to the place. I mean, you know, we got her up and fed her as normal on the morning she died and I went to the spot where she'd been sleeping. I mean, it was just, look, it was just horrific, a really sad, a really, really sad few days. And um, the kids, you know, I said, I don't want any sort of social media media for at least 12 hours and then I knew they were going to put it up on Instagram because they were all really sad and that's the way they do things and of course Rose was overseas she'd sent Billy a little note which I'd read to her and then um, funnily enough a postcard for Billy arrived from Rose the day she died I mean there were so many omens but we took her into the vet and for the first time ever she knocked back the little treats they gave her and she just sat down on the rug with me. It was like she was ready. Mm. It was. Um, I think they are. I, th- I think I certainly had that feeling with Bearsy, and I'm sure other pet owners have too. When your dogs or cats are so elderly, I think they're saying thank you. You know, finally we're ready. You know, I, I think there's a bit of that magic in the air. I believe that so completely. Yeah. Look at and you know the last few months we hadn't been able to walk her anyway, but she did have. A sort of, we never got the Indian summer I hoped for in Melbourne, but she did have one because everyone was home. You know, she's had people at home all day, every day. All looking the children after she her. grew up with, who and, are now adults, yeah, living with her, keeping well, two of two of two the of three, the three yeah. and and partners, and keeping her company. And so, look, you know, she'd had she'd had a very nice, and we had the most lovely last weekend with her, sitting by the fire, watching old movies, just you know, doing the normal stuff we do, but being there with her all the time. Well, so, my my fa- my love last and lovely and favourite memory of Billy was uh, coming through your garden gate a couple of weeks ago and we had just a weak pale autumn sun and she was sitting there and she's always a bit slow to get up but always greets with the wag of the tail and do you remember a few weeks ago when the gate was accidentally left open and I ran down the street calling Billy Billy and then thought hang on a minute she can hardly walk she, no, she, she, has, can, she hasn't run off that quickly she can't run away to the pub anymore <laughs> she can't run down to the sausage chisel at the Lord Mayor's camp nope yeah, oh, no. well, Vale, Billy, um, Thanks, a, one, a wonderful family dog, and she will be so sorely missed, and that is the end of the era, isn't it, the walking girl's dogs? I know. She was the last one to go, and, and you do look back. You look back at the photos, and the kids were so little when we got her, and all of oh, those all things. all that nostalgia comes through, and you actually feel your age as well. You realise that for the life of this family pet, your family has actually grown and evolved, and I don't know about you, but I, I, I just I was so sad from on that level as well when you know it was the I end know. of an era. So look, Caro, on to um, uh, on to happier things, which is our podcast today. Well, actually, not so happy for me because I'm going to give myself a self slap in the apologies section. Last week, I referred to Derek and Clive live, which was that wonderful group of uh, rather naughty... Peter Cook and Dudley Moore. Yeah, correct. Well, I said Dudley Cook and Peter Moore. Did you? Sorry, Collingwood Collingwood (laughs) identity player who's a member at my golf club who is still good-looking at the age of 60, whatever you are, Peter Moore, you magpie champion. I'm sorry that I put you in the same class as Dudley. You you would never tell rude, lewd jokes like Derek and Clive Live did. So that's my (laughs) apology. Um and Carol, I think you're going to have to join me in the naughty corner as well because we had on Instagram somebody talking about Carol's spell check, cloche, not cloche, as in you, I think you spelt it and you spelt C-L-O-S-C-H, which at the time I was 
not wanting to correct you. <laughs> well, no, I but, was... But, but, but Michael Davis 57, or sorry, Michelle Davis 57 has said, Cloche, C-L-O-C-H-E, but great episode. And she can hardly recommend Fowder on Netflix, which I've heard before is actually very good. But I, I thought it was, I know Cloche is spelt C-L-O-C-H-E, but our friend Johnny... No, no C-L-O... Yeah, C-H-E. C-H-E. Our friend Johnny said, no, 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 it's a different spelling. It's S-C-H. Oh, okay. So that's what I'm, I'm blaming right. him. Well, I'm blaming ap- well him. apology pending. Let's check that out. And also yep. um, we, we put up a photograph of little Freddie, Anna's brand new puppy dog, which can I just say our Instagram has gone off never, Caro, in the history of the Don't Shoot Pod Instagram account. Have you, Jane, or I received oh, so many the likes? Beautiful it went dog. off. My phone was it was yours, Jay, just going boop, boop, boop oh, the whole night. So anyway, we one of our four legged listeners, I am Agnes Kerry Blue Terrier underscore underscore, said, Welcome to Insta, Freddie. Like me, you really need your own Insta page. We terriers have a voice. And I make sure my people hear me, especially in ISO. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they do. I mean, they really do. Dog Instagrams at the moment, I think there's something about, you know, ironically. Sign of the times. It's the most wonderful time. I mean, Anna's just done it perfectly. The most wonderful time to get a new dog. And um, I'm I'm actually not ready at the moment, but apparently it's a good thing I'm not because there's waiting lists, you know, lasting till sort of next year. And the cost has gone up, Carol. I was telling you last week about I'm waiting for my puppy. I'm on about seven waiting lists, which the deposits cost you a fortune. Really? But what I, if you don't? What if you then say no? Bad luck. Well, I guess you just do your dough. But they, if mm. you buy the puppy, they obviously put the hundred dollar deposit toward it. But puppies are really scarce commodities. If you wanted to go into a growing, thriving business, you'd set up a kennel. I'm thinking of selling one of the grandchildren to actually afford <laughs> one of these puppies. But I'm not sure. Anyway, um, on we go. Suzanne Lynch sent us a lovely note as a relatively new potty. Great to see a photo of Anna from the op shop. All of you three together. I think Miss Jane was posting photographs of us. I hope we old were photographs. Nice. <laughs> they were old photographs. Yes, somebody. Yes. I I was given a very strict talking to by one of my oh. children. I said, "For heaven's sake, we weren't all together. It was an old photograph." <laughs> and I did actually put that on the photo in yeah. two different places. Look at this old photo. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, pre ISO, everyone. Pre ISO. Think before you read, children. <laughs> now, Caro, um, May challenges. How has it been going for you? Well, I'm nearly finished my first Iris Murdoch. I mean, it was a big thing to say I'm going to – I mean, I obviously wasn't going to read all her books in the month of May. But The Italian Girl, oh, my heaven, it's a – a wonderful, haunting and quite disturbing read. And like, when did she write it? 50s, 60s? I think it's early 60s. So it's this dated one. okay. Yeah, and this we bought this book together in that beautiful little bookshop in Foy in Cornwall last year. Which Remember, I was eyeing off thinking, you were, mm, maybe we, I could start a business here. We were sort of saying you should take this over and we'll all come and live in um, Cornwall. But um, anyway, so it, you know how when you buy a book at a certain place, it evokes the memories of that time. And so every time I pick it up, it's got the sign on the back of the book and it's always own not maybe it is fifties anyway. I'll, I'll come back to you on the date. Story of a family story opens with the funeral of a very dominating and disturbed mother of two sons. One son has gone away, not to come back. They're both artists. He comes back. The Italian girl is the Italian maid who has been living with this family for a very long time. A series of Italian girls have lived there. As a result, both boys speak Italian. There's a wife. There's an enigmatic 17-year-old daughter who is not what she seems. It's really good. Oh, it sounds it's great. Really it good. sounds like it should be a BBC 
Sunday yeah. night drama. Oh, look, it, it's it's fantastic, and oh, it, good it's on got you. the typical tortured English men. So really good. Now, unlike I, um, I uh, sorry, the, go the on. waterways of Melbourne, Corrie. I just want to read out Karen Duffus on Facebook, who tells you you must include the Maribyrnong in your May challenge. Now. I don't know whether you inspired me. I've done more waterways in the last week. <laughs> I've done three sections of Port Phillip Bay. I've done the ocean. I've done two parts of the Yarra. I've done Albert Park Lake. So let's hear what you've done, Corrie. <laughs> well, imitation is the nicest form of flattery, oh, as they say. you inspired me. Uh, well, I'm, I'm thrilled about that, Caro, because we were talking about you do genuinely get fit and lose a bit of weight if you walk 10,000 steps or more a day. So we have to get back to that. And you're right on the case with that. I saw your steps on the weekend. I was very jealous. Um, well, I Cara- went with my friend Trish, who's doing, who's a great fan of the podcast, who's no longer living in yes, Saudi. Yes, I, yo- I do yoga with Trish. She does 20,000 steps a day, Corrie. No, she must just be walking all day, Carol. She, she can't do that. She d- does a massive two-hour walk every morning. Those little legs. She is <laughs> she's doing. She's doing 20... And she looks amazing. Well, there you go. Um, I know it's not always about weight loss, Caro. We have been told about it. It's about health and fitness. It's about health and fitness. Karen Duffus, thank you very much for the tip, Maribyrnong. Interesting that you should say that because uh, my daughter, Coco, who lives over that way of that part of town, and myself have actually put in a diary date for this Friday morning. We are going to be walking the Maribyrnong from her home, and we are going to do around the rowing sheds and so on, so I'm really looking forward to that. Mind the Afton Street Bridge is closed. So cross the river at oh, the yes, Angler's she, Tavern. She's, got, she's given us tips. Oh, she has. I haven't even read it. Well done, Karen. All right, I'll take note of that. Um, I'll tell Flops as we're on our as she's plotting our journey. This morning, Caro, before I met with you and Miss Jane, I did the Yarra River down near South Bank. So I left from the rowing sheds near the Princess Bridge and I walked right through to the casino. Uh, Crown Casino and came back again and then I had about 15 minutes to kill before I had to be here in the studio so I did a bit of the beautiful tan area. So that was my waterways well and, I, and I also did a back beach but I don't think the back beach really counts as the waterways of Melbourne but anyway, there you go. Now, Carol, we're up to week seven with our COVID-19 really? pandemic. Really? Isn't it more than that now? It feels like about week 50. Well, it was the official <laughs> closure, I think, the official okay. Dan the Man coming on on ABC News and looking stricken and saying we all had to stay at home. Speaking of Dan the Man, how do you think Daniel Andrews has been going the last couple of days? Well, there's been a lot of pushback, hasn't there? I mean, Oh, he got it on Q&A on Monday night from Hamish, the host. Yeah, and protests and, look, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm still giving him an overall tick. It's a bit like the AFL. I think Gillan McLaughlin's made a couple of small errors, but overall... Massive tick, and and I and I just you know I, I I was going to make this my grumpy, but I'll be grumpy about it now. People keep going on about Mother's Day. Why couldn't he have let us have Mother's Day? Why were you allowed to meet in family gatherings or groups of five on on Tuesday of the week of the announcement of a um, slackened restrictions? Why couldn't we do it on Mother's Day? I mean, Mother's Day surely would be one of the most dangerous. I know other states were different, but he was obeying medical advice from his his chief medical officer. Now, if you're a young mother who was living at home with your children, you're going to spend it with your children anyway. So a lot of people, a vast amount of people spent Mother's Day with their mothers. But if your mother is in her 70s or 80s and you don't live with her, there, there's a reason why you were not allowed to go and see her on this particular day because Mother's Day would have been one of the most dangerous days. 
I would have thought. I would rather have a mother who was a bit sad and not with her kids on this particular Mother's Day. And I mean, I'm, I and also healthy. think I also think Mother's Day. It's a great day. We, look, I had a lovely day with my children, but it's a little bit. I mean, for heaven's sake, you should be nice to your mother every day. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I take I note, just, children. It was a. It was a. Maybe he just didn't want. He was told it was going to be dangerous, and they'd done all those tests. They wanted to find out what the results were of a certain amount of tests. I absolutely bought his um, comments about that. I, I really did. And um, what else? Um, people are disappointed about the cafes and bars and restaurants that you can't go into cafes, bars, and restaurants as you can in most other most other parts of Australia. Well. And you know what was really scary? Seeing the shop, the, the footage on Sunday, Saturday and Sunday, of people swarming into shopping malls. Not on people, not on. I sat in I, traffic for the first time today coming here. Look, um, Daniel Andrews was on with, with two other premiers on Q&A on Monday night and he did take a bit of a battering from members of the audience and also Hamish, the host. And I think unfairly, hands off our Dan, I say, he what has was he, shown What was Hamish leadership. battering him for? Oh, particularly about the schools. Yep. So his feeling was, you know, if, if if schools in New South Wales are opening, why are we taking our time? And as Daniel Andrews said, look, I'm not going to announce here what our plan is. And he subsequently actually has come out with a rollout plan 24 hours later. But he quite rightly, don't force me to, to make policy on the run. This is a well thought out strategy. This has been going on for days and days in the Department of Premier and Cabinet. So we're not going to tell it. So off you pop, Hamish, and he was quite deliberate about that and quite firm. So June and 9, also, everyone's back at school and yeah. and prep and grade 1 and year 11 and, and 12. And they're going to phase it in, which I think in, is a later really... In May, yeah. yeah. which is a really great idea. And I, I, I just feel that, as Daniel Andrews said on the ABC, we are the envy of the world. And, Caro, over the last couple of days, I've been listening to the old British podcast, you know, the BBC and different political ones, The Spectator that I listen to, and there is no doubt in my mind that Boris Johnson, who came on to make a national announcement onto everyone's television, I understand, between Antique Roadshow and the BBC News the other night, telling everybody on one hand you can do this but on one hand you can do that. So you should go back to work but don't travel on any public transport and don't go back to work if it's not essential. People were so confused. So, of course, on the Monday morning, you can imagine talkback radio around England just went off with Nicola Sturgeon, who is who's the Prime Minister of Scotland. Oh, what are we supposed to do, Prime Minister? It's all so confusing. I'm really glad that we have leadership in this state where and you he's been be... determined and really specific, even down to don't think you can have five people and seven children. Five people is five people. I'm really pleased with that level of detail. Are you worried you're going to be number six? <laughs> what are the social consequences of that? Imagine. Well, I'm I'm sort of glad that you I have mean, a birthday coming up in a few weeks. Who gets left off the list? Well, I mean, tell you what, it better not be me. Clearly, it's clearly <laughs> well. There might be a series of very small functions. You can sit around a bridge table again now. You can play golf. You can play golf. What What are you? What else? But you're you... not allowed to touch certain things on the golf course or hang around the golf club or anything like that. No, uh, you're, there are certain things you're allowed to do. Shopping is now. Shopping has been a really peculiar one because some shops, as we know, have not closed, and some shops naughtily have called themselves essential services when, in fact, one could argue they are not. At the bookshop, for example, we are still officially not open. We're still going, you know, between 10 and 2, people can knock on the door and pick up their book 
uh, orders and so on. But I'm still very nervous about that, mainly also because of the area we're in. Stonington was declared the heart of the epicentre seven weeks ago. And the heart of the epicentre. <laughs> well, the epicentre. Is that, that, a, is that, that I think it's a tautology, yes. tautology. Okay. I don't want any the more heart, apologies, Corrie. The, the heart of the virus or the epicentre. And that makes me very aware because where where have all the sick people gone? Where have their germs gone? Yeah, so what what will you look for? What do you I mean obviously I'm sure you'll be looking forward to having a game of golf. Is there anything else you're looking forward to now? Oh, there are lots of things I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to a friend of mine is having a birthday. There've been quite a few birthdays as you know in recent weeks and a friend is having a birthday this week and three of us are gathering for dinner or four of us I think. So that's at one of our houses. So that's going to be a real joy. It'll be so strange. I'm, It'll be so what strange. What the conversation will be? <laughs> I don't. I don't think we'll Maybe be short have of two it. Drinks, drinks, and fall well, over. Well, we could possibly do that. I'm really looking forward to, obviously, grandchildren. So I'm not sure about the hugs and how that unfolds, and the kisses and the expectation. And I'm very aware of not overwhelming little children with lots of hooting and hollering and bursting into tears and things like that. But I'm really looking forward to that, I have to say. I'm sure you're allowed. You could go and give them a bath. That would be allowed, Oh, bath and it? feed. Yeah, bath and feed. I'll def- we're definitely going up to Ballarat for the weekend, bathing, feeding, going for walks in the park. That'll all be normal. But I'm very aware of not overwhelming the little children. I think that could be – and they might go, who are you? Well, as if you look, been, very, you look very familiar. You've been assuming sco- <laughs> them every night. What are you talking about? I know what you're like. You would have been on. You would have been looking at them. <laughs> this, yes, every day. A lot, or of unflat- day. a lot of unflattering FaceTime when you're in bed and your face is all crumpled and you've got your cup of tea and all of a sudden the grandchildren are there. Oh, hi! Look, I'll just put my face on. Cara, what are you looking forward to? Well, what I'm looking forward to. Is that well? I, I am looking forward to having a game of cards. I admit it. I'm looking forward to going round. I've got a couple of friends who I just haven't seen, and I'm looking forward to actually sitting with someone and not walking with. I mean, I love my walks with my girlfriends. And you and I have had a few walks and grabbed a coffee and kept walking. It will be nice just to sit and talk. We, I was talking. You can't touch or hold hands or hug. Well, I was talking to Trish about this the other day because some people just want to keep moving anyway and they don't really like stopping. And But I like stopping. And the one thing that I, I'm looking forward to continuing some of the things that I've started to do as a result of this. I mean, Brendan. Like what? Well, well, I mean, Brendan, for example, is wrapped about golf, but he's taken up swimming and he's been swimming without a wetsuit, you know, in Port Phillip Bay. And I really hope he keeps swimming. I'm really, now I've got really involved in my garden and I've made friends with all these local gardeners and joined gardening groups and gardening clubs. And um, thanks, Eloise Hudson, my jute bags did arrive. I'm so excited. And apparently you can also use them for runner beans and peas. But people have been dropping off seedlings and I'm, I'm going to continue the sustainable garden because I've grown so many veggies now and it's really it's worked. such a great my idea. My broccoli's coming up, my Brussels sprouts. And once you're organised, it, it requires not a lot of effort. Well, it, it actually... A bit, of, a bit of love, but no, but not. it's not like you have to completely... I mean, you replant every five or six months. It's not yeah. like you have to go out there every day. No, but it, if, if you let it go for a week or two, you notice that. Yeah, look, anyway... Things I'm, go to seed. I'm really... I'm, I never previously read... This sounds weird. I never... I stopped reading books in the footy season. I'd sort of only really read books when I was on holidays or when footy wasn't on. I'm, I've really got back into... Re- I mean, I've, I was, I've always been a reader, but I'm reading a lot more. Um, I'm looking forward to playing Scrabble with you. 
Yes, without sanitising any of the tiles. Which yeah, I, and you've won. You, uh, it's I'm really, on a roll. You're on a roll, and I haven't had a chance. I'm like to... Hawthorne. I'm like Hawthorne <laughs> Footy Club. One win, and then the season's cancelled. I had two win, two massive wins over you, and the season was cancelled. I'm looking forward to one of the things I'd like to continue after this, Caro, is the that you mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, having long conversations on the phone with friends, mm. and less texting, and think or and less talking in the car. Because you're on the run and you're so busy, you haven't actually taken the time to have a proper chat. And then the other thing I'm looking forward to, I don't know about you, but, and sometimes this can be difficult as well. There's been a lot of time to think. I've been quite self-absorbed and pondering things and processing stuff. Not just not just uh, things about the shop and work and survival there, but also how do I want to live my life? Where to from here? Big picture questions. And that's been quite enlightening, I think, and we should all take time in our lives. Sometimes you do it on a holiday. You know, sometimes yep, you, you look at your life from afar and go, Yeah, well, that's, I think that's been happening to a less, lot of people. Yep. A lot of people have been saying to me that they're going to change this or they're going to do that because they've been thinking a lot about whatever the matter is. And I think we should continue that. I definitely do too much. And and if, if there's a free, if there's more than one free night in a row, I feel I, I should catch up with someone or I should do this or have this dinner or go out and do something. I'm really enjoying not going out. I haven't missed going out really Why do at we all. fill our diaries? Is it a FOMO thing? Is it Are we so insecure oh, that we need to fill our diaries? We're going to have to get our diaries out again. No. Well, no, no actually I'm happy to because mine cost me $54. But... <laughs> It's but, not even the right diary. <laughs> no, no, no. I, re- I replaced the expensive diary from England and bought the $54 one at Officeworks, which now is just empty. But I have no desire to fill it, I have to tell you. Caro, what's happening with footy just while we talk about things that we can't wait to return? Well, by the time some people listen to this, we'll have a start date. And I'm, I'm not going to make – I'm thinking it's definitely going to be June. It might be June 11. It might be, might be June 18. But footy will be back. It will be very strange. There won't be crowds. There's going to have to be a special arrangement put in place for West Australia unless Mark McGowan, the Premier, makes a big change of heart there. But we'll be watching footy again in a pretty normal fixture, Corrie. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. There'll be the odd Monday game. We will be playing footy a lot longer this year. We'll be playing it into October, but I think it will end before Derby Day. I think it'll probably end on the Cox Plate weekend. We might even have a Friday night running of the Cox Plate and then the grand final on a Saturday. What's going to happen to the grand final public holiday? Will it still be the last oh, Friday yes, you're, in you're, September? You're, you're in a tiz about that. You talked about that last I'm week. I'm in a real tiz about I, that. I can't bear that. I think that's such a silly holiday anyway. The, I mean, the big, the big um, sort of scandal which is an overused word and probably an exaggeration in this case, has been the Adelaide Crows' decision um, to train in a group of several groups of eight. I think they were playing skins, you know, tops on, tops off, at a golf course to Nunder Pines in the Barossa Valley. I mean, so Adelaide, the Barossa Valley <laughs> golf course, you know. I, did, I just want our Adelaide listeners to know I didn't say that. I'm appalled. On behalf of the golf club members, I'm appalled that you've got a group of AFL Players running around on your sacred turf. Well, it's embarrassing for the AFL. It's embarrassing for the police. They were given permission to do so by the golf club. It's actually a resort, and it's um it's a Novotel, I think, and it's 
They were meant to be quarantining in their rooms. Then they were given permission to go for runs and go outside training groups of two. The 300-gamer Hall of Famer Ben Hart, who was an assistant coach who was quarantining there as well, has carried the can for this, even though he's still going to get paid and he's still going to be back after one game, the way the season will probably pan out, or two. He's been suspended for six weeks. The AFL were talking tough on Friday, threatening clubs on Thursday, coaches and CEOs earlier in the week that... People who broke COVID rules were going to face um, suspensions of up to a season for really serious breaches, and then the players don't get suspended. It was a joke. Mm. It looks like a bit of a cover-up. I think even the Adelaide board has some culpability here, given that the Deputy Police Commissioner of South Australia is an Adelaide board member, and, you know, she was obviously aware of this situation going on. The police are taking some responsibility. I would suggest that's a conflict of interest. Seriously. What a mess. What yeah, a cock-up. And I, don't, I, don't, I have a feeling it's not going to be the first one. Really, really embarrassing. And, and of course, the other, you know, more salacious and really sad and horrible story was Dean Laidley, who's been allowed out on bail and is going into rehab. Um, there's a lot of, you know, we're wrapping our they're wrapping their arms around Adelaide, around Ben Hart, their assistant coach. The football world is wrapping their arms around Dean Laidley. Um, just to, to make the point, Dean Laidley's been charged with stalking, which is a horrendous crime. And... Stalking is, you know, there, there were two issues, as we said last week, the violation of his privacy being splashed over the front pages of News Limited, wearing, um, dressed up as a woman. But he was stalking someone or he's allegedly was stalking someone. And that is not something that you Any should... Any of us should take lightly. Oh, look, it was a, it, it's a terrible crime. And, you know, Dean Laidley might be in a lot of trouble. So I just wanted to make that point to people who felt that Dean Laidley has been portrayed as a huge figure of sympathy in the last week. Well, there was a victim allegedly in this crime as well. Yeah, good point. I agree. Caro, we're going on to Crush of the Week. And of course, we're crushing for Red Energy, who are our wonderful partners in crime here at Don't Shoot the Messenger. Thank you for your support, the gang at Red Energy. Call 131 806 for Real Aussie Energy. And who is your crush? Well, Corrie Bono turned 60 today. Do you know what? Blast from the past. Do you know what he's done? This is, I love this. Oh, don't tell me he's starting a Band Aid or a Corona Aid or something like that. What he did, what he's done to mark his 60th birthday is he's he's given put out a list of the 60 songs that saved my life. I love look I love, I really like you too. I'm not a fanatical anthem rock lover. My my husband Brendan really loves certain U2 albums. But what he's done is he's put out his 60 best songs of all time. Probably songs, knowing Bono songs he wrote himself or sung himself. <laughs> none of his own song. In fact, his number one song is by Luciano Pavarotti. Everyone's there. Everyone's there. From Daft Punk to the Beatles to David Bowie. But this is just a Bowie. list, though. Why is he your crush? Nirvana. I could put a work, list out. Would I be your crush? Iggy Pop. Um, let me finish. Okay. Corey. Okay. Not only has he put out the list of 60 songs that saved his life, but he has written to each of the 60 people to tell them why that song meant so much to him and why it changed his life. So you have a the, bit of a tough time with Pavarotti or whoever wrote again, the Pavarotti. See, again, again <laughs> she's not letting me finish. <laughs> He wrote to David Bowie's son 
and told David Bowie's son why um, I think it's life on Mars, why life, what life on Mars actually meant to him and why it changed his life. He's written to Luciano Pavarotti's child. If, you, if you're dead, he's written to the children or the offspring or the uh, offspring, obviously, or the partner of the person. And it's a great list. And I just think it's a – I really – look, I sort of admire Bono. I mean, he's had a few missteps along the way, but not many. He has a pretty perfect life. And I, um, I, can and feel I, a book, a, I can feel a book deal coming along here, Caro. It would actually make an interesting book, wouldn't it? It's a great idea. What a great idea yeah, to – mm, I don't know whether I'd make him a crush. What, what, gee, <laughs> there've been a lot more – there've been a lot more not inspiring crushes on your side of the table. Thank you very much, On to BSF. Red Energy, and I am young because I'm younger than you, and you're going to be very old soon. Um, red Energy, powered I th- I by Snowy Hydro. I think the age is nine months. I don't think it's something to boast about. Powered by Snowy <laughs> Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Call 131 806 for real Aussie energy. And, of course, we love Red Energy. They are a Melbourne-based team, and they will help you out. And just say Caro and Corey sent you, which, as I understand from the feedback we got during the week, somebody did say they were joining Red Energy as a result of listening to our podcast. So thank you, listener, There for should doing be more that. of it. There should be more of it. Caro, I'm going to kick off BSF a with a book I am. This is a very sweet book and a good one for these times, Melting Moments by Anna Goldsworthy. It's a new book and Anna Goldsworthy, who is a a classical pianist, um, several years ago caught my attention with her beautiful nonfiction book called Piano Lessons in which she tells the story of her relationship with her piano teacher, Jane. You have your hand up. I'm sorry. No, but... We actually got to interview um, Anna Goldsworthy last week and read Melting Moments and have been dying to tell you about it. Ah! So I'm like, Great so you liked it. So we interviewed her for Great Australian oh, Lives, which is a show I produce with Laura Turner. She's somebody so, I'd love amazing. To meet. Yeah, amazing. she sounds so Sorry. lovely. So this is her fiction debut. And it's a, just a lovely story about an Aussie housewife, really. We track her, uh, we track Ruby's journey. Ruby is a, a naturally beautiful and has a very strong sense of self elegant woman who grew up on a farm in South Australia. She ends up in Adelaide as a young 18-year-old and the, and the story starts just at the start of World War II and her life as a country girl coming to town and she meets the soldier, Arthur, who's not exactly the man of her dreams but they have a kind of a whirlwind relationship because he's about to send, be sent off to New Guinea to fight. So they get married the wedding night's a total disaster. Think on Chesil Beach. But after Ooh. the war, we then follow their lives together. And this is absolutely Robert Menzies' Australia. This is the story of our parents probably or maybe a little bit older than our parents. So we follow Ruby through housemaking, homemaking and trying to find her role in life and trying to be satisfied, although you get a sense that Ruby, there's something a bit more complicated to Ruby. She wants something more. And she has two children dutifully and uh, they build a lovely house in, in Adelaide and Arthur continues to be the good provider and, of course, what happens with these women, particularly if they have daughters, Caro, along comes the feminist movement of the 1960s. And Ruby, who by this stage is in her 40s and 50s, looks at her life and kind of says, is that all there is? And, of course, she has a daughter who's coming of age during this time who becomes a bit of a feminist re- uh, rebel and it's their relationship as well. But that's not the driver. The driver of this is really Ruby herself and her intuition and her responses to the things that happen in her life, which 
on the face of it, Jane, not a lot happens, but it is a story about about a normal life, a normal person, beautifully told. And you yeah. find yourself completely immersed, don't you? Well, Anna actually mentioned in this interview that, you know, it's not about big moments and then this happened and massive plot twists. It's it's a lot of it based on her grandmother who was of that era. And it's it's like, well, sometimes life isn't a big climax and a big bang and a huge, you know, story. Exactly right. This is like the sort of, you could almost have written five or six books with the time it spans. Exactly right. And it reminds me of one of my favourite books in the world, Stoner by John Williams, which is the story. Oh, really? Is it like that? Well, well, it's not as sort of epic. um, I mean, Stoner, with no offence to Anna, of course, and I think she'd be the first to say this. I mean, Stoner is one of literature's great works of art. I mean, it is an absolutely internationally acclaimed novel. It is a fantastic book. But it is the story of one man's life who is an academic, who who becomes an English teacher, gets the job at the American college and has reasonable high hopes of rising up the food chain there, but actually is a man with, as it turns out, very little ambition and his life sort of plods along. But gosh, it's an absorbing novel and in the same way Melting Moments is too. So I highly recommend Melting Moments by Anna Goldsworthy. Now, you have a screen, and I presume we're not back in the picture theatre, so what have you been watching at home? You don't assume, you know. (laughs) You know, that is something. I'm looking forward to that. I know. And going going to... cultural events, going ten, to the concert hall, going to see the ballet, going to the theatre. Ten people into a cinema maybe, who knows. Now, look, I've been watching a psychological crime thriller or thriller on SBS called Blood, recommended. Oh, yes, we've, I've watched it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Adrian Dunbar, who was in, um, oh, he's been in Hear My Song, he's been, what was he in, The Crying Game? Mm, yeah. He's been in all sorts of And lots of, of shows. Tell- BBC Line TV. of Duty, I think he's a Line of Duty star. Anyway, family, another family saga. Um, this you, is the one Anna talked about last. We talked about last Anna, week. Anna mentioned it last week. Um, she was recommended it by our, our Irish doctor friend Rosie Sterling. It really is good. It's gripping. The second series we're now halfway through. We are sort of gripped by it. It probably wasn't a great weekend to start watching it because it's a bit of a downer and um, it made us a bit sad. But especially as the mother dies in the first five minutes, that's yes, kind of yes, like on Mother's Day. Mm. Did he? Did the husband kill her or not? There are some very seriously obvious red herrings. The second series transports the story to one the other daughter. There's two daughters and a son. Um, one daughter is married with children, but she's clearly got some real problems. The son is gay but his father doesn't know and the other daughter is a successful um, academic I think in Dublin but and never comes home and wasn't there to say goodbye to her mother but has a dreadful relationship with her father going back to childhood. Which gets explored during the series. Yeah and the second series is sort of completely different and about the other daughter and all of her issues with her husband and children and dreadful mother-in-law. I'm really enjoying blood and I highly recommend it. Now, Corrie, you've got a recipe. I do. So my friend Anita gave me a pumpkin gift the other day. She had grown it in her garden at her farm and so I delivered some books off. So this is the this is the upside of delivering books. People give you little goodies all around the place. Uh, so I bought my pumpkin home. Very hard to cut a pumpkin. Can someone just please... Strong arm and a good knife. Oh, yep. But you've got to be careful with the Was knife. Is it a jap, a butternut? What sort? Oh, no, it was a big, huge, round one. With is that stripy, a Jap? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dark green. That's, different. that's a Jap. I yeah, think, yep. I think it is. A chainsaw would have done the trick, Carol. Anyway, eventually I got through and made the most delicious pumpkin soup. Um, funnily enough, 
in my recipe collection, I could not find the old pumpkin soup that my sister-in-law, Wardy, gave to me ages and ages ago. So I just went to taste.com.au. I did. I looked up a recipe online, which is such a sin. This is one of the best pumpkin recipe, pumpkin soup recipes I have ever done. A bit of olive oil in your pan, throw in an onion, throw in a leek, garlic cloves, half a teaspoon. I didn't actually stick to the amounts with the spice because I like mine quite spicy, but this is what they say. Half a teaspoon of ground coriander, a teaspoon of ground cumin, half a teaspoon of freshly grated nutmeg. And then you put your pumpkin in and your potato and your chicken stock and you let it all bubble away for as long as you want. Uh, keep topping it up if your water, if your liquid is reducing. And then when it's cooled off, don't put it boiling hot in the whizzer. That's happened to me in the past and the top blows off and you've got boiling hot stock all oh, over yeah. you. Oh, yeah. That's... Really watch that one because um, you and can overflow. something hotter can... than hot about hot soup, isn't there, that you're making when it's yeah. been boiling for all that time? It just, just always beware with your wizard what's the point where it will overflow. Um, and you blend it all together, put it back on the stove and then add in some thin cream, not thickened cream, but just some thin cream, however much you want. The pumpkin was so rich and thick and delicious that I didn't put a lot of cream in. And then, of course, you just put a bit of parsley and a bit of nutmeg and stuff on the top to make it look pretty. Perfect recipe. Thank Yum. you, Anita, for my pumpkin. Very happy with my pumpkin. Caro, before we go on to you being grumpy, I'm going to cheer you up. This came from one of our lovely listeners in Perth who's contacted us before, uh, Lindsay Reed, who lives in Cottesloe, and she has sent your, you me and Miss Jane, this. And this followed, Lindsay's a friend of mine, so I saw her personal Instagram. She was wearing this. I complimented her on it. And she has sent this. Would you like to open the little parcel? Well, um, yeah, I can't sort of see what it is. Okay, are they little bags? I'm going to read this oh, out. Oh, they're masks. Oh, they're beautiful. Aren't they lovely? Listen to this. I haven't read this note. I've just opened it now. Oh, thank you, Lindsay. Dear Don't Shoot Saviors, I made these bespoke face masks. Even if we never wear them, they can be a memento of COVID-19. They're pleated. If you ever do wear them, they are 100% cotton and can be hand-washed. Thank you for your constant podcasts, keeping us sane, Linz. Oh, I've put this one on my mouth, so I've got to keep this one now, don't I? Yeah, not <laughs> giving it to me. I don't want your germs. I quite Lindsay, like the one with the yellow, so the yellow circles. They're beautiful. She's whipped them up herself. Thank Jane, you, you can Lindsay. choose the other, and they're all in different patterns. So there you are. Now, you they're can't beautiful. possibly be grumpy about that. Have you got anything left to be grumpy about? Well, I'm sort of half grumpy, half happy. I'm grumpy because Alan Jones today announced his retirement oh. from radio and he's stepping down Bring at the end the of the month. He's, he's still going to be on Sky News and he's still going to write his columns. But what is making me grumpy is all these ridiculous accolades that are coming for Alan Jones. Now, I know it's been a long career and I know there is um, he must have done an enormous amount of good, but he's done so much bad in the last few years. And some of the stories about the um, off-air bullying that um, he's been alleged to have done to a couple of his colleagues, um, some of the stories. I mean, his, his Julia Gillard comment about her father, I, I still sort of can't see how anyone ever came back from that. But anyway, I'm not an Alan Jones fan. And how did anyone come back from being charged doing uh, look, he's, alleged bad behaviour in a men's toilet in England? 
Well, I don't think that's sort of as bad as some of the stuff he's done. I don't think um, – anyway, I, I'm, Alan Jones makes me grumpy, Corrie. So I'm not an Alan Jones fan and I'm glad he's not going to be on the radio anymore. And I think the influence he wielded over the the city of Sydney and the state of New South Wales and, the and you know, the – the, the prime ministerial sort of the eye the ear he had into the sports commission and to Canberra was just so overplayed and his um, influence on the Liberal Party the right his, his Adam Good's comments were just so disgraceful and um, but you know everyone in Sydney was too scared to have a go at him about it because he's that's how influential he is and that's dangerous. Goodbye, Alan. Take it from us. Now, Corrie, it's time for six quick questions. I have one for you. What was the nicest thing about Mother's Day? Oh, so many nice things. Oh, okay. Come on, just one. The crayfish risotto I made. You know how I told you crayfish were cheap. Well, Weren't that- you going on the Mother's Day walk? We did we did a walk, a big walk. Okay. You, you're still oh. allowed to eat. Oh, no. No, I thought you your day was tied up walking around... The well, Mother's Day walk. Went on a big walk. And went cooked, on a big and cooked, walk. You're a woman of many talents and, and come home and you cook crayfish risotto. And, you know, I did the proper thing where you you take the, it out of the shells. I got it cleaned and then you cook the shells in olive oil and butter and that's how you make it. And then you pour in the chicken stock. That's how you, that's how you make Day, it. Mother's Day, you should have had somebody make it for you. Well, I really enjoyed making it and I had a few little helpers and Clementine made the most beautiful chocolate tort covered in mascarpone and figs and quinces. Oh, my Lord, that was beautiful. I had a remote champagne cocktail with my mother, which was really funny and really enjoyable. I went for a lovely afternoon walk. And I've got to say, I've never made crayfish risotto before. But Sounds yum. They are expensive, but gee, it, and it was quite rich. You didn't need very much. Add tomato and basil at the end. Absolutely beautiful. Absolutely. That was my favourite thing about We might have day. to put that recipe up on the um, show notes. Which it was just, you just, you Google crayfish risotto and you go take the first one. Taste.com, I reckon, is always yeah. ultra oh, reliable. That was my pumpkin soup. I did, I, yeah, I did actually have um, chicken, fish stock. So I used fish stock instead of chicken. That was really nice. Corrie, which three COVID 19 phrases are we going to hear a lot of in the next few weeks? The next normal. So we've gone from the new normal to the next normal. I've heard it about six times in the last two days. Had enough. Thanks very much. Contact tracing, which, Carol, you may not be entirely aware what contact tracing is, but boy, have you heard a lot of it over the last few weeks, I'm sure. It's the process of identifying and managing people who have been exposed to the virus. Which is why we've all got the app, which I'm sure you've got. And we're trying to prevent onward transmission. Yes, I have that too. And then the third one, which popped up into my stratosphere again post the Prime Minister's comments on the weekend, PPE, personal protective equipment. So it should be medically or government approved, gloves, face shields, masks. Lindsay, I don't think you have to get a government approval for the beautiful masks that you've sent us. But anyway, that's what a PPE is. Um, So there you go. You're just going to be so over them by the end of the year. Caro, finish this sentence. Life is too short to... Cook with phyllo pastry. (laughs) Oh, I've I've got to say, certain magazines... I just had a feeling it was going to be something a little more profound. Certain magazines have been really good. Like this month's Delicious, as I think I mentioned last week, is incredible. Gourmet Traveller, Japanese edition, no, just doesn't do it for me. Country Style had this amazing old family recipe of this spinach pie. So I thought, that looks amazing. You know, Ned doesn't eat meat, so I thought I'll make it for the family. This is six quick questions. On a rainy day. 
I'd forgotten that you actually have to butter every yeah, every layer. single yes every layer layer upon layer upon layer. Well, in this case, every two layers. It went on the mixture in the middle. It's sort of feta and ricotta and spinach and kale, and you've got to squeeze all the liquid out about a hundred times. It took me about three hours. I realised when I'd started it, I'd started a three-hour job. I thought it was a one-hour job. It is, Dal, the Greek delicatessen exactly. at the Pran Market. Sweet Greek, exactly. Um, Corey, what is the first thing you're going to do when you see the granddaughters? We've well, sort of- we talked a little bit about that before, but I think the first thing I'll do, Caro, is we'll, we'll take a, a walk around the garden, just very quietly, very gently, get to know one another again. I'll ask Catty to show me the girls, who are the, the girls of the hens in the chook house, and we'll visit Charlie's massive vegetable patch. We might look at the vegetables and we might do a bit of scooting through the autumn leaves, but I think probably just take it really quietly rather than overwhelm. Caro, should the Queen bail out Prince Andrew and Fergie after they were sued on the weekend by a Swiss real estate agency for not making final payment on their $31 million Swiss (laughs) chalet they bought in 2014? I've just realised these masks are double-sided. They've got She's two very different, clever, yeah. Please. They've got two different fabrics. I'm glad um, you were listening to the question. Um, no, well, Corey, of course he shouldn't. Certainly not with public money. I mean, that is just ridiculous. That is just let them go to the clink. I say. Well, I mean, Andrew's already in disgrace. I mean, he's obviously got a private fortune. He probably will have to bail them out because I don't see what else she can do. But what, what, what can this couple do? And he's already you know, been excommunicated and disgraced, but that is just a terrible... Just wait wait till Charles becomes king. Guess who goes off to the tower? No, he should not. Although, you know, the way they're going, will he ever get there, poor chap? (laughs) I mean, really. They're saying, will she ever do public events again? The message she delivered the other day was fabulous. Oh, she's just getting better and better. Better times are ahead. The weekend's New York Times, Corrie, had a list of the top 10 travel, another good publication at the moment, Top 10 Travel Destinations, and their timetables for reopening. Yes. Where's, what's your number one? Well, the, well, not my number one, but the number one by the New York Times, Caro, drumroll please, Jane, was Australia. Ooh, really? Australia. I didn't say that in a very Which nice part? Voice, did I? Australia. Um, well, no, generally, they're just saying anywhere. Because we have this very clever According to the New York Times, this is them saying that about us. Three-stage plan to reopen the economy and the economic focus is going to include tourism. And the New York Times went on to say that there's this wonderful trans-Tasman bubble which is occurring between Australia and New Zealand, allowing people to travel between the two countries, which the New York Times was quite envious of seeing as you can't even cross the Hudson River at the moment. No. Probably not for the next few months. Carol, you'll also be pleased to know that the second country that's whipping itself into shape is Greece. So they're hoping that they will be able to embrace international tourists after September. The third one was Puerto Rico, which I thought was odd. And then the fourth one was Iceland, who are hoping, hoping to reopen in summer. I'd always, I've always wanted summer, to go to Iceland, summer, not our summer. and I've actually well, been look, to Puerto Rico. Well, you could, there you go, off to off to Iceland. I wouldn't rush back to Puerto Rico. I've got to say, San Juan was a nice town, but it um, was a four day town. Carol, we're going that. to continue our chat in a couple of days with our GLT bonus episode. But for now, we would like to say thanks to all our messengers for listening, and of course to our podcast sponsor, Red Energy. Once again, we are so thrilled that you have backed our little podcast. Don't forget, everybody, call 131 8064 real 
Aussie Energy. Thanks for all your feedbacks and comments, Lindsay, for your beautiful gifts. We love hearing from you. The Don't Shoot the Messenger Facebook page is, of course, up and running, and you can leave comments there. Or you can follow us on Instagram and leave a comment there. And it's at Don't Shoot Pod. You can email us, of course, feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au. And Miss Jane is always there waiting to hear from you. She's just She spends her whole day just waiting for the inbox to go ping. <laughs> Thank you, Janie, for being so fabulous Thank to you. us and looking after us and producing us in these awful times. And, Cara, what do we say? Don't shoot the messenger. Thanks for listening to the Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Thanks to Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Call 131 806 for real Aussie energy.